Welcome to Woody Online. Thank you for tuning in to one of our live service recordings. Our community is based in Cardiff and we meet every Sunday at 10.30 a.m. If you're ever in the area, we'd love to see you there. We hope you enjoy this week's message and that it inspires and blesses you. Um, but it's great to, have, to be here again and thank you great and welcome to those who joined us for the first time or those who are well, uh, coming and um, visiting us. It's great that you have come, as, come to see us and take part in this service too. Um, I've got to share a story with you before um, I get into the text. And it's about um, a sailor who got shipwrecked. And um, he was, when he got shipwrecked, he was seized by natives. And then he was taken uh, to their place. And he was put on a big, big, massive throne. And he was proclaimed as their king. Put a nice crown on and everything. Um, I don't know how they made it, but they probably made it by something. And he really enjoyed it. He was like, oh, this is fun. I got shipwrecked. Uh, you know, life's meant to be dire. But um, these guys then really took him, put him up on that uh, massive throne. And they started to, like, sing praises and got him lots of food and whatever he wanted. They kind of really took care of him. And then he realized that according to their custom... The king that they would put on that throne, that he, he or she would be ruling for a year. During that year, they'd treat him really, really well, feed him and, you know, everything that he needed. And at the end of the year, they would banish him or her into, uh, into a really lonely island to starve to death. So it sounds like a, like a Pirates of Caribbean movie, some sort of those things. Um, so he started to think, oh, what's going on here? Um, end of the year is going to come up soon. So he thought, do you know what? I am going to eat and drink what I, what I can, and I'm not going to sit around and not do anything about this. I'm going to do something about it. What he could have done is just actually just sit, eat, drink, sleep, and just repeat. He could have done that. But not this sailor. This guy wasn't going to do that. He took a third route. He said, no, do you know what? At the end of the year, they're going to banish me. And I've got absolute authority over all of them, so I'm going to do something here. So he said, okay, I want some people to build some boats for me. I want some of the farmers to get on those boats and go to this island, and I want you to start put some, putting some crops in. Uh, I want some of the builders to build me an amazing home over there. At the end of the year, when they did what they had planned and promised to do, is I banish him into this place. He ended up in this wonderful place where he had food, we had a nice shelter, and he was, although he was exiled into this place, he wasn't in a barren place. He had prepared that place. He had used the resources that he had to create something beautiful for him so that he didn't feel completely in a desolate place, whereas he was in this paradise of plenty. He changed his destiny. Destiny that these people thought, you know, he's going to starve to death. He changed that by putting things in place. He was once a man without hope when he got shipwrecked. But then he became a man whose hope was realized. We could be on that island today where we feel shipwrecked, where we feel a lock hitting us left, right, and center, 
where we feel spiritually we're in a really desolate place. God wants us to do something about that place. He wants us to do something about that situation. He wants us to take that circumstance and do something about it. Because Jesus does not want that for us. That's not on his mind for us. He wants something different for us. He wants us to have the hope. So we're starting 1 Peter. And um, I'm really excited because this book has got loads and loads to teach us on. But we are going to only focus on verses 1 and 2 from the first chapter. I think there's enough in that for us to, to at least whet our appetite and help us throughout this week as we, uh, as we spend some time in this word. I would really encourage you to go back home and actually read these verses again, uh, possibly the whole chapter, or probably from 1 to 9. And if you've got commentaries, then have a look at that. Try and dwell into that, this, this book as much as you can so that next week when you do come, uh, you'll be a little bit more prepared to what um, I might be sharing or where we're sharing next week. I think I am. This letter that we read from Peter is to various churches in the Asian world. But we are looking, as we start this new series, um, as we look at these two verses, which, is, which has got so much to, to, to speak to us, before we do that, I just want to pray for us so that we'll have open hearts to hear what God's actually wanted to tell us this morning. So Father, I pray that may you speak through me, Lord. I just want to pray if there's anything that I'm sharing that you don't want me to, then Lord, just shut my mouth. And Lord, for all of us here, Lord, I just want to pray that may you open our ears. The words that were shared earlier, Lord, where we need to fling open our hearts for you to enter in. Lord, I pray this morning that we will be those people that are open to hear what you want us to hear and do what you want us to do. So bless your word as it blesses us, Lord. In your name, amen. The reading should probably go up on, on the screen for you, but I'm just going to read it now for all of us. It says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Britannia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for the sprinkling, for sprinkling with his blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. Amen. So we're starting this series, and we, this series has got so much in it, and we're going to unlock a little bit of the wisdom about how it tells us how we can suffer well. In these hard days, we need to learn how to suffer well. Peter here, he's, he wrote to Christians who were suffering, and they were going to suffer more. They were Christians living in exiles in non-Christian world, And here Peter is trying to encourage them with these words. He's trying to give them a guide on their journey. His own life was full of suffering. But he also tried, tried and tried 
great attempts to avoid that suffering. Matthew chapter 16, for example, Jesus asked his disciples um, who, who he was. Some said that he was John the Baptist, others said Elijah, others Jeremiah, another prophet. And Jesus said, who is he asked his disciples, who is he? Who do you say I am? Peter piped up. He said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus he confirmed Peter's confession, saying that it was from God. And it was that confession upon which the church was going to be built. Then just after that, Jesus told his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem to suffer and die. Peter didn't like that. Surely that's not the way this should go. He said, far, far be it from you, Lord. This shall never, never, never happen to you. Jesus responded, get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance for me. For you're not settled in your, you're not setting your mind on the things of God, but you're setting the mind on the things of men. Peter didn't understand that the way of the glory of Christ was the suffering of the cross. He didn't understand that the salvation of man would come after the sacrifice of Jesus on that cross. He had no clue. Jesus then turned around to his disciples and he said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever saves his life will lose it, whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. The cross and then the crown. Life through death. Suffering, then glory. Friends, that is Christian life. Let's fast forward to Jesus uh, when he was arrested on that night. Peter famously denied Jesus three times. Why? Well, if he's doing that to Jesus, if they are doing that to Jesus, what are they going to do to me? Then we fast forward a little bit more to Peter and Paul in Galatia. Some Jews arrived for dinner, some of Peter's friends. They didn't, want, they didn't want to eat with those who were unclean Gentiles in the church. So they separated themselves and Peter went with them. Why? Because he didn't want to stick, stick out his neck for anyone else. And then we come to this letter and this author about the topic of suffering well. We're hearing from this man who had learned a lesson himself. So this book, I hope, will really help us. This book, these chapters, I really hope, will help us in how we can prepare ourselves for the days to come. Here Peter gives us this insight into God for how he thinks about us. We are just not nobodies. We are somebodies. These opening verses really encourage us and I want to share three points with us. In these hard times of suffering, it's vital, that is vital to believe, but we need to believe this. God, God deeply loves us. That God hasn't forgotten us. And God is totally and totally for us. 
in verse 1, God deeply loves us, we see, who is Paul actually writing to? To those who are elect. Let's stop there for a minute. To those who are elect, what does that actually mean? What does this mean, the word mean, elect mean? Here we have the doctrine of election or of God's choosing. Some people find this quite hard doctrine because you say God chooses some while he doesn't choose others. God's plan for us isn't that we live on a complete and utter desolate island where we suffer and starve to death. That's not his plan. God's plan for us, that we accept his call and we live a life so that when we do live a life that is following and, and looking up to him for strength, that we will know that he loves us and he cares for us. Are we deserving? No. Are we worthy? Not at all. Are we spotless and are we righteous? No way. No one's righteous. We all have turned around. We all have walked in sin. But this is all because of the glory of God that we can come to him and seek for forgiveness. Especially when we are doing, uh, spending some time later on at the table where we can confess our sins and we can come to God because we know that he forgives us. But sometimes we doubt that, don't we? We're very good at doubting. We all could probably give ourselves those nicknames of Doubting Thomas. I have doubted so many times. But God doesn't want us to do that. He wants us to take this, take this promise that he has for us and live a life that will be glorifying to him. He loves us. We are no disappointment to him. If you feel that today, then please come and speak to one of the elders and myself. And we would love to pray for you. You are not a disappointment to God. He's not going to check his return policy and send you back. He's not that type of a God. He has chosen us to be part of his family. That's his plan. That's his purpose for us. So here Peter is trying to encourage us and tell us that God deeply loves us. We are chosen by him. So let's live a life that is, that is showing that. Then he says the second one, God hasn't forgotten us. Again, to the, to the first verse, Peter, who is Peter writing to? He's writing to those elect exiles of the dispersion of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Britannia. So here is a group of people, they're living in Roman provinces in what is modern-day modern Turkey, but beyond that, who are they? This, this word dispersion may say that they are... Um, they must be Jewish people of the Jewish dispersion when they were driven out of Jerusalem. But most commentators here agree that Peter is writing not to Jews, but to Gentiles. 
Now here, this is why it's important. We've already talked about Peter when he talked about being elect. By calling them elect, Peter uses the Old Testament language. Who's God's, old, um, who's God's elect in the Old Testament? Israel. Yet the people are God's elect, his chosen people. Peter is saying that this is not just the nation of Israel, but the church of Christ that is God's elect in this world. Now just imagine you're living in that ancient world. You don't have the internet, you, you, can't, um, you can't live tweet anything. You know, whatever's happening in Jerusalem isn't um, tweeted out. You heard the gospel came to Christ and worship him alone. And then in the church you are as a member. But it's the only church in town. Most people around you don't know Jesus. And they don't want to know him. And they think this whole Christianity is is ludicrous or absurd. You might feel that today, that you are all alone. But God has called us here to be part of this fellowship so that when we feel that, we can encourage one another. Peter is addressing them here by calling them exiles for what they were. And this is quite an important theme in this letter. One we'll explore more as we go along, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. God's people here are pilgrims, exiles on earth. Peter's readers were exiles. When they came to Christ, they suddenly realized that their home was no longer their home on earth. And that completely changed their thinking. That dramatically and forever changed them. They were exiles. Life was not easy for them. If anything, life was going to get harder. Persecution was going to come. And they needed to get ready. So like today's, when we read this about Peter's audience living as exiles, it's not hard to think maybe God has forgotten about you. But here God is trying to remind us that he hasn't forgotten about us. It is his grace that's coming to us. Peter's original audience um, lived in in what we could call a pre-Christian world. And some would say, we live now in a post-Christian world. If you look around, if you just look outside, the society has completely changed. We live in, in in a day very similar to Peter's, but on a different side of the spectrum. In their day, Christianity was just starting to spread. It was not yet the mainstream religion, and the world didn't understand them. And today we live in a world that is post-Christian. Christianity is fading. People don't have that in their minds of actually following God. And it could be hard, and it can be hard, especially when you look around and see people living lives 
that is hurting God's, God's, God's heart. But here Peter is trying to tell us that God loves you and God cares for you. You might be finding it hard today, living in, in, as a Christian in today's world. You might even feel weird in your place where you work, living as a Christian. In other words, probably it doesn't seem the best thing to be doing. But here God's reminding us through 1 Peter that God cares for us. God loves us. So friends, I don't know how you are this morning, but I feel a deep sense in me that says that God is creating and doing a massive shift within people's life. And it could be starting this morning. And when I say that, I'm trying to encourage you and say, if that is you, that God's doing that amazing thing in your life, then hold on to it. Don't push him away. Fling open your hearts so that he can come in and that love and acceptance can be taken by you. God cares for us. We are his people. He loves us. He hasn't forgotten us. And my last point is he's totally for us. Verse 2 tells us, we're back to this election thing. Peter expounds on God's total involvement in salvation. Verse 2 shows us that the Father, the Spirit, and the Son all intimately involved in the salvation of his people. So when you look back to the day when you gave your life to Christ, what changed for you? Did anything change for you? I really hope it did. But if nothing changed for you, today might be a time where you need to really look up and ask God and say, God, I, I know that you love me. I know that you forgive me. I know that you are for me. And I, I know that you are totally, totally for us and for me. And today might be the time when you actually do tell him to come back into your life, where you fling open your heart so that he can come and stay in you. Then verse two, we read these words of sprinkling of, uh, with his blood. In Exodus 24, God inaugurated his covenant with Israel with sacrifices, and the blood was sprinkled on the altar. In response, Israel promised obedience to God and his covenant. Then Moses sprinkled the people with blood and said, this is the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you. That blood signified forgiveness, cleansing, as they entered into this covenant through obedience and this cleansing of blood being sprinkled on them. Peter here is picking up the Old Testament passage and he's saying this really applies to you as well, to God's people now. They have been sprinkled by the blood. It's through the blood of Jesus that God's covenant with us is secured. We can obey God in our suffering because we know that through his blood we have been given 
another chance. His blood that was shed on the, cro- on the cross for you and for me gives us new life. And Peter is very clear here. He's saying it's not up what you are doing, it's what God has done. His sprinkling of his blood, not what you do, not what you can do in terms of, oh, I can do these sacrifices and that would be, I'll be in good books with, with the Lord. Peter's saying, no, this is all God's work. It's all God's grace. God sanctified them. God shed his blood for them. God made that covenant with them to save them. And their only part was to trust and believe and follow what God was, wherever he was leading them. Here we see he was totally and utterly for them. No matter what the circumstance, no matter what was going on, God is totally for us today. He is with us. He will never leave us or forsake us. The blood of his covenant is upon us. God's blood is sprinkled on us. We are secure. So my challenge to you, why don't we then trust God when times are hard? And finally, let's just consider for a minute this phrase from verse 2, the last bit. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. So why does Peter tell all this right up front, in the beginning, in the first two verses? The reason is because of the, to those who feel the scorn of this unbelieving world, the grace and peace of God rests upon you. And you can know that when you wake up in the morning, not only that, his peace is upon you, but you can know that his grace will be with you. And his grace and his peace will be multiplied to you. And it's quite surprising how it comes. Grace and peace of God comes through trials, comes through suffering, and God promises us, stick with me and I will walk with you. We are all exiles, but we are elect exiles. God deeply loves us. He hasn't forgotten us. He's totally for us. We are going to be okay as long as we trust him. So taking these words into account, I want us to prepare our hearts this morning as we come to the table and as we spend some time in communion. I want to give a minute for all of us to just take these words that that I've shared in your hearts. If anything that has challenged you, do share with me. It encourages me. If anything you're not sure of, do come and talk to me later as well or during the week. I'm happy to meet for a coffee. But God here is telling us he loves us, he cares for us, and he's with us. I hope you feel encouraged. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, as we just prepare our hearts, as we come to your table, I just want to pray for all of us here this morning. 
Is there anything that we need to confess? Lord, help us do that. And we do that not because you are a God who wants to punish us or who's standing there telling us off every time. But Lord, you're a God who loves us, who cares for us, who forgives us, who's totally for us. All we need to do is actually surrender ourselves to you. And Lord, I want to thank you for these words and these verses from 1 Peter that reminds us of, of our own identity, that we are being by, called by you. We are chosen by you. You love us. You care for us. And we are not here on our own. So I just want to pray for us as a fellowship, as we encourage one another in our journey. Lord, may we know that you are smiling and looking down upon us and saying, well done, my faithful servant. Thanks for tuning in to Woody Online. We hope this week's message has inspired and blessed you. If you're ever in Cardiff, we'd love to see you at one of our Sunday services at 10.30 a.m. Don't forget to check the show notes below for our contact details. We'd love to hear from you. Be sure to tune in again next week for more inspiring content. We look forward to connecting with you soon.